I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. As you know, on this podcast, rather than looking at movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hate it, we look at movies in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies, we look at bad movies, we look at movies we loved, and we look at movies that we hated. So today we're going to be looking at Inside Out, and one of the interesting things about Inside Out is that Rather than the the main character being the 11-year-old girl, Riley, at the center of this animated movie, the main character is actually an archetype inside of her head. So the main character in Inside Out, rather than being the little girl, is actually the emotion of Joy, played by Amy Poehler. And Joy is joined by four other archetypes. Fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. Now, one of the very interesting things about this movie is that it's actually based on real psychological research. In in fact, they even brought in uh, two psychologists, uh, Dasher Keltner and Paul Ekman, to consult on the project. And these psychologists actually wanted Pixar to have a character for every emotion in the vast array of emotions that human beings experience. And Pixar made an interesting decision, which, if you're a screenwriter, is a decision that you may want to think about as well. Pete Docter boiled down the multitude of emotions into these five primary characters. And the reason was really simple. The story could basically handle five or six characters in 105 pages. You've got time to take care of five to six characters really well. You don't have time to take care of 20. And so what he did was he boiled down all these myriads of emotions down to five primary emotions. Anger, disgust, fear, sadness, and our main character, joy. And so as we watch Inside Out, what we're actually doing is we're watching the story of the archetypes inside of the little girl's head. Now let's talk about what this term archetypes means. Because archetypes are thrown around all the time in screenwriting, and oftentimes these archetypes kind of descend into being stereotypes. An archetype is different from a stereotype. So let's talk about where this term archetype comes from. The term archetype doesn't come from screenwriting. The term archetype actually comes from a psychologist that many of you have heard of called Jung. So Jung believed in this idea called the collective unconscious. The idea of the collective unconscious was that we are all part of a shared fabric and that we may not be consciously aware of it, but through our subconscious, through our dreams, through our fantasies, we can tap in to this shared consciousness. And through that shared consciousness, we can tap into symbologies and types of characters and types of events that may transcend our own experience, but that every single person in the universe can relate to. And he called these experiences and these people and these events, he called them archetypes. After Jung, a guy named Campbell came along. And Campbell's the guy who came up with the idea of the hero's journey. And Campbell said, well, if there's such a thing as a collective unconscious, there must also be such a thing as a collective story, a story that would contain all stories, and that in that way would be the ultimate story that we can all share. And if there was a collective story, then there would also be characters that we could all connect to. And there would be certain kinds of moments in every journey, which he called the hero's journey, that became these archetypal characters and these archetypal moments. And Campbell and the people who followed Campbell, James Bonnet, Christopher Vogler, all the way down to Blake Snyder and Save the Cat, basically came up with new and interesting ways to categorize, to name these archetypes. 
Campbell's Hero's Journey says there are 21 steps. Blake Snyder's Save the Cat formula says that there are four acts. And all of these are simply ways of categorizing, naming archetypes. The problem is that when we put our focus on naming archetypes, categorizing archetypes, we often cut ourselves off from accessing the archetypes. In other words, instead of writing a threshold guardian, we write a threshold guardian type. Instead of writing a terrible father, we write a terrible father type. Instead of writing a funny best friend, we write a funny best friend type. In other words, because these categorizations lead us to write from our conscious brain, they often lead to the pop psychology, psychology 101 analysis of character, rather than doing what Jung actually suggested, which is the idea that if there is such a thing as a collective unconscious, then you have access to it. And that if you're willing to surrender some degree of control and write from the subconscious mind rather than the conscious mind, you have the ability to tap into it. And if you can actually tap into it, you don't need to know what a threshold guardian is or a terrible father is, or to use Blake Snyder terminology, what a monster in the house movie is. If you can tap into that collective unconscious, then all you need to do is to write the archetypes that you will find there. And you will know that those archetypes are archetypes that anyone can connect to. So this is an approach to writing that says instead of trying to name, categorize, follow the formula, that what we can actually do is go inside our own minds, surrender a little bit of control, whether it's about meditative writing as we teach in our meditative class, or whether it's through seizing on to a tangible object and allowing the visuals, the sounds, the words of your character to materialize, accepting whatever suggestion your subconscious mind gives you, or whether it's finding a dominant trait that kind of becomes your north star for the character, something that you relate to. So in this movie, the main character is Joy. But joy is an archetype, not a stereotype. In other words, joy is not playing a joyful type character. And anger is not playing an anger type character. In fact, there are wonderful, hilarious moments, particularly in the final credit sequence, where we go inside the other characters' archetypes. And what we find is that even though they all have joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust, that those archetypes in each person take a completely different form. There's a wonderful scene where dad decides to put his foot down. And you can see how different his archetypes are from the archetypes in mom as she's dreaming of the guy she could have been with. So the idea about archetypes, what's beautiful about archetypes, is that archetypes are not stereotypes. Archetypes are not types. Archetypes are something that already exists in you, the writer just as these archetypes exist in Riley, the main character. And the process of writing is a process of going inside, getting in touch with one of those archetypes, and breathing life into them, allowing them to live and breathe and react honestly on the page. And so you probably noticed that joy is not always joyful in this movie. There are moments where joy cries. And... Joy also has her own archetypes, which we don't get to see, but 
joy has fear. There are moments where joy experiences fear. There are moments where joy experiences sadness. And joy, just like the little girl whose brain she helps operate, has her own belief systems based on her experiences. And these belief systems change the way she goes about her world. Just as Riley has Goofball Island and Family Island and Hockey Island, somewhere inside of Joy are belief systems and personality systems as well. Now, we don't see that in the movie. But the thing that allows us to know that is that Joy is a character. And the definition of a character is a character is somebody who changes, who goes on a journey. And a main character is somebody who's got a problem. And Joy, despite her joy, has a problem. And one of the things that we learn is that the best problems don't come from outside the character. The best problems come from inside the character. And here's what's really interesting. The outside problems of this movie are extraordinarily low stakes. The outside problem is a little girl moves to San Francisco and is sad. That is literally the external problem. There's a moment where she almost runs away, and that's about it. The external problem is extremely low stakes, yet the internal problem feels incredibly high stakes. It feels like life and death watching this little low stakes moment happen. And the reason for that is that Joy's got a problem. And that problem is based on a story that she's telling herself about who she is, who Riley is, and who sadness is. Joy's problem is that Joy is afraid of sadness. Joy is afraid of change. Joy is doing everything she can to lock Riley into her current islands rather than to allow her personality to evolve. In this way, joy in many ways represents what we would call the holdfast ego, the part of Riley that wants to say the same. What does this all mean to you as a writer? Structure is built out of moments. Structure is built out of foundational moments, what's called core memories inside Inside Out. You can think of each event of your life like one of those little balls of memory from inside out. And you can think of certain events in your life as core memories, just like those core memories from inside out. And you can think of certain events as core events, what Campbell would call archetypal events in your character's lives. And these archetypal events become structural but they only become structural when they're laid up against other archetypal events. And your subconscious mind starts to tell itself a story based on those events. This plus this equals that. This is the way that our minds work. And this is the way that story structure works. Story structure is actually just the structure of psychology. It is the structure by which the events of our lives build our belief systems that either allow us to change or cause us not to. The structure of a film is just the structure by which we assign value to each moment. And what's powerful about being a writer is that the value of those moments can change. Just as when sadness touches the balls, 
they turn blue. So too can we change our work. Can we take the same plot that's a comedy and turn it into a drama? The same story that's so depressing and turn it into something uplifting? So too can we change our own lives? Joy's problem is that Joy is afraid of sadness. Which is wonderful because sadness is a character. And sadness's problem is that sadness is trying to be something she is not. And at the end of the day, Riley can't change until Joy learns to accept sadness. And you can see that this is an archetypal moment that we can all connect to. Because there is not a person in the universe who has not struggled with wanting to be happy even when we're sad. This is a powerful archetypal event because we can all connect to it. So you got a main character with a problem, Joy. Joy's problem is she's afraid of sadness. This is causing ramifications all over the place because she's trying to keep Riley the joyful child that she was, even as Riley goes through a huge change, not only in place, but also in age. Because of the story that sadness is telling herself, sadness is not allowing Riley to develop new islands, to develop new core memories. Joy is afraid of letting go of the past. Writing a movie is like living a life. Writing a movie is about finding the structure of the events of our lives in order to tell us ourselves the story of who we are. Just like living a life is making choices at this moment and this moment and this moment in order to tell ourselves the story of who we are. And changing a life is like revising a script. Revising a script sometimes means allowing certain memories, certain core memories, certain islands of personality, certain archetypal events to disappear. Sometimes revising a script means letting go of one of our most beloved characters. In this case, Bing Bong. Riley's imaginary friend from her childhood has to disappear. Revising a script is sometimes about finding that crazy line that just keeps coming back to you for no reason and figuring out how it's structural. Revising a script is sometimes about allowing a different emotion to inflect the same scene and then allowing ourselves to let go of the control of what the screenplay used to be in order to allow it to evolve into the screenplay it needs to become. As writers, we all have the same problem as joy, which is we want to be happy and we want to be successful, and we don't want to change, even though we need to. So I'd like to suggest to you that as you write your own movies, that you see what happens if you go a little inside out. If you see what happens when you, instead of trying to control your archetypes, if you allow yourself to find them, searching inside of you for the answers rather than outside. I'd like to invite you to learn to build your structure organically, not based on some formula, which is only going to lead you to a stereotype or a cliché, but based on the way one core event seems to bounce up against the next, and the story that you tell yourself from one core event to the next, as your character makes choice after choice after choice in their lives. I'd like to invite you to revise your script with a feeling of freedom, with the understanding that our scripts need to go through their childhoods just like Riley does. And though that though those childhoods may be joyful, that ultimately, in order to grow up 
into healthy, happy adult screenplays. Our movies have to go through a process by which islands of personality are destroyed and characters are lost and change happens. That in order for our characters to change, perhaps our screenplays need to change too. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to study more with me in New York City, online, or as part of our international screenwriting retreats, please check out my website, www.writeyourscreenplay.com. Thank you.